Good morning, everybody, and welcome back. This is Mark Steiner right here on The Mark Steiner Show and your source for cool jazz and more, WEAA 88.9 FM, the voice of the community. And uh, in our... uh, I guess we have two more Mondays to go after this, and we are looking forward to having you participate completely at 410-319-8888. You can write to us here at talk at steinershow.org. Uh, you can tweet us at Mark Steiner. We do want you to join in. Um, and uh, we have a lot to talk about this hour, from healthcare issues to uh, what is happening with uh, Russia and the uh, issues facing the Trump administration, and also, once again, what we always miss by focusing on Donald Trump and this behavior of his and not focusing on what's happening to America. We have with us in studio at the moment Dr. Richard Vatz. Rick Vatz, of course, been a guest on the show numerous times, professor of rhetoric and communication at Towson University's Department of Instructional Leadership and uh, Professional Development and author of The Only Authentic Book of Persuasion. And your new book is called? The Only Authentic Book of Persuasion, by the way, published by McGraw-Hill and Thomas Ezzaz, The Man and His ah, Ideas. Yes, that's right. When is that coming out? Uh, that is out. Oh, it's out? That is out. Oh, absolutely. That's right. We're getting ready for reviews. Well, give me a copy. I, I shall indeed. Okay, I shall good. indeed. And uh, other guest, Bill Fletcher Jr., a senior scholar with the Institute for Policy Studies, editorial board member of BlackCommentator.com, co-author of The Indispensable Ally, Black Workers and the Formation of the Congress of Industrial Organizations, 1934 to 1941, and author of their Bankrupting Us and 20 Other Myths About Unions. And Bill, welcome back. Good to have you with us. Always a pleasure, Mark. And our third guest should be arriving. When he does, we'll get him in. You can turn your volume up right there. 410-319-8888 is the number here, so please do join in. Let me begin with this quote from a listener who is also a friend. Don Palmer posted today on Facebook. And I thought this is kind of apt, and I think I will throw this over to you, Bill Fletcher, first. Here it goes. Is it just me, or is there some absurd irony that the health care bill vote is delayed now due to um, health care issues? <laughs> <laughs> Mind you, delayed as a senator accesses his taxpayer-paid, gold-plated health care insurance. Bill? <laughs> uh, it, it is very ironic, uh, absolutely, and... But, but it's also, this situation is incredibly sad, Mark. Uh, and I don't mean just the condition of McCain. The, the overall condition is, is sad. The, the fact that this is really not a health care bill, it's about tax cuts. And the second that you have a Republican majority that is prepared to put 23 million people out of health care and, and is playing this very bizarre game with the numbers, uh, it's, it's frightening. I find the situation actually frightening. At, at some moments, I find it hysterical because it's so hypocritical in light of everything the Republicans were saying when Obama was the president. Now it's more moved beyond hysterical, and it's frightening. Rick? Well, I, I think that um, when you talk about people who are losing health care, there are people who are added to health care, and uh, you know, we, we just, you know, at what point do we say, we cannot afford to cover everything in human life and call it health care. And at what point do we say that, that we've, got to, we've got to be responsible? We can't let people uh, just uh, buy health care uh, when they haven't had it before. Uh, I mean, there, ha- there has to be some level of responsibility. And, and not everything can be covered. The, the example that I always give that, that I, I'd like to hear uh, your, all of your reactions to this is – do you do you think that if a if a man and a wife don't get along and they seek to talk to somebody about it, should that be covered by health care? 
My 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 argument would be yes, Bill Fletcher. <laughs> I, well, there's two answers to that. Yeah, one is one is yes. I do think it should be covered, but I want to go back to the first point because I think unintentionally what's being raised is that there's a genocidal element that exists within capitalism that comes down to this question of who gets access to what resources. And is it acceptable to basically say that if you can't afford health care, then you die? If you can't afford health care, then you have to give up your home. You know, I mean, that's one of the things we have to talk about. And it really comes down to what are the priorities of the society. It's not about whether everything should be funded. It's, you know, uh, do, do, we, do we invest the amount that we have invested in the military budget? You know, are there, uh, what about tax cuts? Why, why do we keep cutting taxes for the wealthy? I mean, when we absolutely need the money, the problem is not that we don't have enough money. The question is, who is getting it? Who has it? And, and that's, that's the issue uh, for me when it comes to health care. We have plenty of money to fund it. Let me introduce Eugene Craig III to everybody, Republican grassroots activist and uh, member of the Libertarian Wing of the Republican Party. <laughs> Good to have you with us, Gene. Appreciate it, Mark. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. You want to leap into this? Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> it's interesting. Um, you know, government doesn't, you know, have a uh, right to, to a person's labor or, or property, uh, for that matter. Um do I think there are improvements we can make in our healthcare system? Absolutely. Do I think there are improvements we can make in the delivery, delivery of our healthcare system? Absolutely. Um, do I think that you know we should you know try our best to make our healthcare system look like Canada or or London or or, or the UK? Absolutely not. Um, but wait, let me just interrupt you for a moment since it's this question. So when people say that. Um, and folks, do weigh in here, 410-319-8888. Want to hear your thoughts and ideas here. Um, you know, there was a Commonwealth study that just came out that showed that U.S. healthcare coming dead last from industrial nations in terms of people who can access it, people who can afford it. And uh, the reason is because in places like Europe, there was a social democratic movement that forced the issue on the capitalist economies of Europe to say we we're going to ensure health care. I mean, even in 1948, General Motors not just the unions wanted universal health care, but it was the AMA and the right wing that said, no, you're not going to get it in America, and we didn't. So, I mean, so why, why are you opposed to having everybody have health care? Well, I mean, it's, first and foremost, if we're going to deal with part of the issue with the health care debate in America is that we have not yet actually dealt with costs. When Obamacare was sold to us, it was sold around the issue that the health care costs are skyrocketing, the health care costs are too high. But what typically happens, in America, you know, most folks' health care is paid for by a third party. Um, you know, so... And passed pass with no Republican support, by the way. Well, absolutely, passed no Republican support, and, and if Trump care is going to pass, it's going to pass with no Democrat support. Um, but the issue is that, in America, our health care typically is paid for by a third party insurer. Um, and... That that's where the issue comes in, um, you know. If 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 you're paying for it, or if you have some kind of level of skin in the game, you know, you care about the cost or you care about the quality. Your insurance company is not able to screw you over, um, is not able to jack up your premium when they're not in the picture. You know, so I think if we're going to look, what does that mean? They, well, 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 what it means is that 
if we're going to define what a, a healthcare, a, a proper healthcare system in America looks like, where you have effective delivery and cost actually comes down, you need to reestablish that doctor-patient relationship on the uh, on 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 the cost side, rather than forcing it through an insurance company. Well, Bill, let me turn to you, Bill. On the way to Bill, let me just say my father was a doctor, mm-hmm. and he then he in his practice he treated mostly people with no means, mm-hmm. and most of the time he came home with no money from those folks, so they had no money to pay. Um, so my dad went from opposing the original idea of, of, of <laughs> what he called social medicine to becoming a single-payer advocate because he saw what healthcare was doing to America. Uh, so pop could grow. Maybe America can grow, Bill. <laughs> so he was the yeah, physician that supported that. The discussion uh, perplexes me. I, I don't know what's wrong with the Canadian plan. I, I mean, The, know, the when, issue when, is that the Canadians when, come when, to when, America. When? I, they don't. I, really. I don't that's, understand that's, what's, that's what's wrong with the plan. I, I don't understand what's wrong with, you know, the idea that you can see your own doctor, uh, and that everybody has a right to healthcare. That you don't have to uh, be living in fear. Last week I went to the dentist, and I thought I was having a cavity replaced. All of a sudden I found out, or uh, re- repaired. Uh, all of a sudden I found out that I had to have a crown, and with insurance, with insurance, my share. $615. Now, I mean, at, at, at what point do we, I mean, is the idea that we basically just say, stuff happens, Bill? You know, live with it, have the tooth pulled out, you know, start looking like you're just walking around, you know, showing your gums? I mean, at what point does society say that we are supposed to be civilized and we should be looking out for one another? I mean, and when we have the resources, we're not talking about Lesotho. We're talking about the United States. So what is this thing? Why is it that we are so invested in the pharmaceutical companies making zillions, the insurance company making zillions, and millions of people having to make a decision, a life and death decision, whether they go to the doctor or dentist? I, I'm just, I'm missing something. And let me just jump in here and go to the phones. I'll let you come right back, Rick. 410-319-8888. Nick, you're on the air. Welcome. Good morning. Morning, Nick. Yes. Uh, if I have this light marked, if I don't, you correct me. Right? Nick, we're having a hard time hearing you. Do you have your window open? Are you driving with your window down? I'm sorry. Can you hear me now? Yeah, we got you. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Mark. The United States needs the world and how much it pays uh, annually for health care, and the outcomes are 17. One of your guests said, yeah, there's enough money in the system, I believe, but when you, nothing ever gets talked about, about the insurance companies, uh, how much did they take in administrative costs, which should, in a decent, honorable society, be capped. You can make some money, but you can't uh, accelerate the system where people go without care and die and, and that's just unfairness and that term unfair you, you know in a capitalist system like the united states doesn't even mean anything to uh people like your republican guests but it's unfair <laughs> and it's mean-spirited to, to not cover people and uh you know then we go round and round about looking at other models nobody wants that particularly with republicans because you don't want to do anything that europe does of course for socialism what does that actually mean to somebody uncovered in Baltimore City? What does, what does socialism or capitalism or communism mean when you don't have any health care? And, and you know what, Mark, I'll just say this. I, the kind of work that I do, I make this drive, which 
many of us who live in the Baltimore area make this drive, but I, I still find it so stark to drive from Catonsville. Uh, what does Catonsville have? It used to be called a bedroom community. Uh, jobs, investment, and reinvestment, and health care. And to make a four or five-mile drive on U.S. 40 into West Baltimore, what does West Baltimore not have? That list of things that I that that Catonsville had, and particularly healthcare. You don't feel like you're a citizen of anywhere if if nobody cares about you. If you don't just well, get get it on your own. So, I, Mark, go ahead with the show. I just had to get that off my chest about this little damned system that we have. Can I jump in there for a second, Nick, Mark? Let me turn to Rick. I just want to say, first of all, that's that's much better than seeing a psychiatrist. And call up <laughs> Mark Steiner and get it off your get it off your chest. Sometimes. Uh, well, uh, my original question was not was not answered. Because when you get the particulars, people who uh, support Obamacare can't can't support it. I mean, the the the, yeah. the outrageous rise in premiums. Uh, but I, I'd like that question to be answered. Uh, if somebody wants to use Viagra, should that should that be covered? Should that be covered by uh, health care? Uh, if if somebody again, I said that uh, if if two people don't get along and they see a they see a psychiatrist, should and the psychiatrist can always find a, a name uh, for. Let's not get into anti psychiatry. Well, let's just focus in on the subject for a okay, moment. Okay, but it's quite relevant because it's covered by health care, and it should Every, be. It, well, and I'm saying it shouldn't be. You're one of the few who would say that, but anyway, well, go ahead. Well, but but. That's not true, by it the is. way. Mm-hmm. In the current in the current uh, Republican uh, system, uh, the the coverage of mental health is is discretionary, and you don't have to be you don't have to have that coverage. As is Medicare for poor people. <laughs> but well, you're talking about Medicaid, right? Medicaid, I meant to right, say. Right, right. But what what I'm saying is is that you can always say everything is health, but it's not. And one of the reasons why healthcare costs so much is is that tell me what isn't healthcare. <laughs> I think that the, the, the issue. I think I think you're actually raising a very important point, and and and, and I think that the point is that there are discretionary matters that uh, where where you're talking about not basic health care, not life threatening, optional uh, uh, services that probably should not be covered. I think that that's probably right. But, but when you talk about mental health, I mean, let's, let's understand, for example, that right now, scientists have now uh, become much clearer of the connection between mental health issues and substance abuse issues. So now, all of a sudden, it's not just that someone is acting a little strange, but there's a direct relationship between these mental health issues and the proliferation of substance abuse problems. Isn't that a health care problem? Isn't the opioid crisis a health care problem? No, I mean, see, it, it, see this, these things are very much interconnected. And if we were living in Lesotho or Swaziland, I would absolutely understand the argument that maybe we don't have, maybe we don't have the resources. But we're not. We're living in a place that has incredible resources that are available. The problem is always who gets access to them. <laughs> Well, there is a book. Okay. All right. Go ahead. So so, so I think we need to research and recenter ourselves here. The reason we're having this discussion is because of the failure called Obamacare. It's because people were not allowed to keep their doctor and keep their plan if they locked it, if they liked their doctor and liked their plan. It's because Obamacare within itself was nothing more than a corporatist giveaway to the insurance companies. I mean, I mean, without 
acknowledging that, we can't have an honest discussion about cost. Except I will challenge you on this before no. we go back to the phones. Go ahead, Bill. You can. I'll let no, you. I mean, I just I think that uh, Obamacare, uh, so-called Obamacare, was not what I think we needed. I think we needed what Mark was raising before about single payer. But tell that to the 23 million people that got health care. The 23 million people that got health care that didn't have to sit around and then figure out, do I pay the mortgage and, or and what do I go to the doctor? What like, about the millions that lost wait, their health wait. insurance? What about the millions that saw their, except, their premiums double year over year? First of all, millions did not lose their health insurance. Millions that's lost right. their health plans. No, 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 no. That's, that's completely that's, wrong. That's, that's, that's we, hard. We, we, there are millions of people that lost their health insurance, that lost their plans, that lost... Not Fox News. <laughs> What's wrong with Fox you know, News? You know I'm blacklisted at Fox News. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. That's absurd. People did not lose their millions health Millions of people lost their health insurance plan due to Obamacare. No, they had their plans canceled. They had their plans canceled. They had their plans canceled due to Obamacare, new Obamacare regulations. And the rising premiums as well. Uh, rising the kind premiums. of cancellations that you're talking about took place in Republican-dominated states right. where there was no expansion of Medicaid. <laughs> the Republican, That's Republican, Republican Maryland. Stop. Stop. Let's talk about that. Right. Let's talk about the shenanigans that Republicans played in order to undermine the effectiveness of affordable care. Let's discuss that, because you're absolutely right. People lost because Republicans played games with our lives. Well, you know, I, I love that we live in the Republican, Republic of Maryland. You know, I think that's absolutely wonderful that we live in the Republican Republic of Maryland, where for the first year of Obamacare, we ended up using the Connecticut system. And a year after that, you know, they still couldn't get it up and running. Or otherwise, we have a governor, first, first, Anthony Brown, right now. First of all, the, first, the, the reality is, and, I, and I'm going to look up these stats so I can read them back to you, that the majority of people who lost their health care in America lost it in states that refused to take portions of Obamacare and that's one of the reasons they lost their health care exactly. in America. That's the reason they lost their health care. Exactly. A. And B, it is true that this Romney Health Care Act, which was a Republican health care act that Obama passed in Congress without Republican help, was a, was a boondoggle for insurance companies. There's no question about that. But it did cover 23 million more people that had no health insurance. That's the, the, the problem is not to take away from that, is to build on that so that people can actually have health care. The premiums do go sky high because there's no regulations to cover insurance companies in this country about what kind of premiums they can charge. There are no regulations covering pharmaceuticals to cover what they can charge That's what real cost for, 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 for drugs. There's no regulations coordinating what hospitals can charge and what hospitals offer a community because they're in, they're in, they're in private competition for, for patients. There's where the problem lies, which is one of the reasons that single-payer health care is the only way we come out of this. That's right. Uh, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. The problem is, is your answers, with all due respect, my Republican friends, your answers come down to things happen, let them die. Not at all. Oh, my Not at all. Goodness. Not at all. No, let's be, real. let's be real. Let's be real and stop the BS. You That's do not have an answer for the 23 million. You're the answer for the 23 million is allowed them to buy the health plan that they choose. The Let them look. Why can't I buy a plan in Delaware that I like that works for me? On radio, I don't know how you do on television. <laughs> on, these, on these shows, you go on, but if more than one person talks at one time, nobody can hear it. on radio. <laughs> right. No, no, but that's like one of those Republican gimmicks. You interrupt someone when they're talking, and that's fine. We can go at it, man. Yeah, but more than one person has to talk. You do not have an answer, and I wish that the Republicans would just stand in front of the American 
people and say, you know what, we do not have an answer because we want to make sure that the rich get richer. That's what we want. And I just wish people would be honest instead of these, like when Ted Cruz comes out with this, this bizarre amendment, I mean, to, to have a cheap health plan that probably the only people that would benefit from it are in the age of 21. I mean, come on. What are we talking about? <laughs> I mean, let's have so, a real discussion about the health care needs of more than 300 million people. <laughs> so, so, if, so very quick, Zan, do you want if, to if we're having you? that discussion, let's keep in mind that it was Obamacare that gave you a Republican majority. It was Obamacare that gave you President Trump. It was Obamacare that gave you Ted Cruz in the U.S. Senate. If without, without the failure of Obamacare, you don't have those things. No, 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 bro. What, what gave that was that there was this guy that was a black president that, the, that a core of the Republican base has never been able to accept. Never been able to accept that a black man was elected president of the United States. So Mitt Romney's fault didn't happen? The, fundamental to the Trump base is that they wish Trump and the Republicans to correct what they see, the greatest mistake of U.S. history, the election of a black president. It wasn't about Obamacare. And what's so funny is that when, when the Republicans started attacking the Affordable Care Act, then people started looking at it, and they said, oh, no, right? So that means I'm going to lose all these things that I had that I took for granted that I might not have even associated with the President of the United States. I mean, come on, let's be real. So let, me just, let, let me just open the phones here and come right back to you, Rick. Okay? You promise? For, I do promise. <laughs> <laughs> have I ever shut, shut you up on my show? No. Never. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> we have disagreed, but I've never done <laughs> No, you never shut me up permanently. <laughs> <laughs> 4103. What, what do you want to say, Rick? Then I'll go to the phones. Well, I, I just want to say in answer to the filibuster that uh, Cruz's plan, uh, which, which uh, allows uh, mandated coverage, uh, which doesn't make you have mandated coverage of preventive care, uh, and mental and substance abuse treatment, I agree with. Because substance abuse treatment, substance abuse is a choice. There's a great book called Addiction is a Choice by Jeffrey Shaler, which I hope you all read. Uh, I read it. And, and the fact is, is that, is that no, that shouldn't, that shouldn't just be covered the way it is. No, and, and what you do is, by saying we now have a magic pill to save you and make sure everybody gets this, you continue to reassure people who take drugs that there's nothing wrong with it and it's not their fault. I mean, you know, we have to do a little bit of looking into science. I mean, when you look at the, look at the way that people self-medicate, you know, particularly folks that have schizophrenia and bipolar disorder, I mean, this is not about someone just sitting around looking at a syringe, deciding whether they're going to shoot up on heroin. It's not just about, you know, someone that's in uh, rural Ohio having nothing to do and decides that they're going to start uh, using opioid. I mean, they, I mean, let's look at the science. This is not just people making mistakes. There are physiological and psychological oh. issues that are going on, as w not to mention social issues. So yeah. let me, we have to get, we have to get a, an ID break. We'll come right back. <laughs> Louise, Jackie, James, the next two callers up. We're also going to look at the Russian investigation and things that we're not paying attention to because of everything else that's gone on, like uh, the new bill that was passed in the House on defense spending. Stay with us. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back, folks. This is Mark Steiner. Good to have you with us here on The Mark Steiner Show. I'm here with Eugene Craig III, who is a Republican grassroots activist, Dr. Rick Vatz, Professor of Rhetoric and Communication at Towson University's Department of Instructional Leadership, and Bill Fletcher, Jr., Senior Scholar at the Institute for Policy Studies, and you all at 410-319-8888. And let's go right to the phones. And Louise, you're on the air. Welcome. That's hi. Good morning, Louise. Hi. I think that Mark has already made my point. Um, I wanted to talk about the disingenuous comment that the Affordable Care Act passed without any Republican support. When the Affordable Care Act um, is a Republican act, before it was Obamacare, it was called Romney Care. And even then, in Massachusetts, they said it wasn't working very well. Yet Obama adopted it. And then I wanted to talk about the Dumbo Standard, where these same congressmen who, who, get, who get premier health care at the same time want to deny the same quality of health care to everyone else. So I want to also say that I agree. I'm not a libertarian, but I agree with him that we need to get insurance companies out of the, out of the health care business, and that's the whole idea behind the Universal Health Care Act. Thank you. Thank you so much, Louise. Let's get another call in here. We'll come back to our guests with some more comments and ideas. And Jackie, you're on the air. Thank you, Mark, for taking my call. Thanks Good for morning, calling. everyone. Good morning, Jackie. Mark, you made some very, very, very valid points regarding regulations. But I just want to say that it's interesting how people, and specifically most Republicans, and I'm not going to say all, because it's not all, but most Republicans have issues with the Affordable Care Act when it's providing care for their loved ones. Yes, some premiums have gone up, and yes, we've all been affected by you know, what happened with the Affordable Care Act. But the bottom line is people are still insured. They're still able to go to their doctor. They may not be the doctor of their choice, but they still are able to go to a doctor and receive care. And that's the the purpose of having health care insurance, is so you can go to a doctor. And then um, I heard one of your panelists talk about mental um, health, and psychiatrists should not be a part of the health care. If you think about all of the mental health issues, not those just tied to um, those who are substance abusers, but if you think about all of the mental health issues that are going on in our society today, it must be mandated that mental health be covered under health care. Specifically, what happened in Pennsylvania recently, the four murders, innocent people, because of someone's mental health issues. And the mom tried to get the person committed. So we have to be open-minded, not just to a small, minute group of people, but we have to be open-minded to everyone. Those are my comments. Thank you again for taking my call. Thank you so much, Jackie. And let me, we'll get back to the phone in a moment. James and Clarence, the next two callers up, we're going to get your calls, and you can bring up any issue you wish here as we look at national issues. But let me, let me take a t- turn of events here, to switch for a moment. Um, and, and I just, just to, we, you know, we look at what's been going on with the controversies around uh, Donald Trump Jr. and and uh, <laughs> and his Russian contacts. And, I, and we don't know really what happened there. We don't know the significance of that. Let me just posit something and see what the three of you think. Um, that A... Um, that, that clearly they set this meeting up to do something so they can make to, to kind of thwart Hillary's campaign. That I think is very clear, um, and I think it's relatively clear. Though some of my friends on the left do not agree that the, the Russians were somehow involved in tricking the election, though I think that's not why Hillary lost. Let me say that up front. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> we're good. But, we're but, good so far. <laughs> <laughs> but let me say that the issue here is, to me, something deeper than that. Because the United States medals in, elec- in elections across the globe as well as Russia medals in elections across the globe. This, and, and, um, uh, and I think we have to acknowledge that. Three for three. I, I don't remember this happening. <laughs> <laughs> but this has to do with the lack of ethics, morality, and truth coming out of Donald Trump yep. and his administration yep. and how it's obfuscating the issues we really face in America, no matter whether you come from the conservative, libertarian, uh, from the left, from social democracy, from a, a more revolutionary perspective, whatever that is, that, that this is obfuscating the issues we have to wrestle with in America because of the lies and ineptitude coming out of this White House. That is what that's why I think this is a real story here that most people are not really getting into uh, at all in most of the media. Rick, I'll let you start, then we'll go around the room. Well, I, I can say pretty simply on uh, on Trump and uh, Trump and all. Uh, I don't vouch for his style. I don't vouch for his honesty. I, I vouch for some of the policies he's taken that uh, we should have taken years ago. For example, in Korea, uh, I assume in Korea, uh, but I, I, do, I do not think. Look, I do not think that he's a man of personal integrity. And I think I, and that really bothers me, and that has bothered me ever since he was uh, trying for the nomination. You know, <laughs> when it comes to Don Jr. and his dad, like father, like son, um, <laughs> you know, I, I agree. Hillary Clinton didn't lose this election because of the Russians, um, you know, but I'm not going to go out and limit say that, you know, they didn't play in this election. And that's where the line was crossed. Um, you know, you, you don't meddle with our election. You don't meddle with our citizens' rights to choose their leaders. Um, but I do think that the dishonesty that's come out the White House, the blatant lies that have come out the White House, um, the daily shock and awe of Steve Bannon, um, you know, policy and procedures that come out the White House, it's distracted. I mean, we could be dealing with infrastructure. We could be dealing with, you know, tax cuts and rebuilding our economy. I mean, we could be dealing with actual health care discussion and actual, you know, rebuilding an actual bipartisan health care bill. But no, we're talking about Russia, and we're talking about lies and deceits and collusion and delusion and illusion, according to Kellyanne Conway. <laughs> Kellyanne Conway. Bill Fletcher? Yeah, I, I'm, we're in surprising level of agreement. Um, but I think where I might disagree is this. Um, I, I do think that the Russians were very involved in black propaganda operations, uh, what people call fake news. Um, they were probably doing more. They may have been trying to mess around with voter registration, etc. Um, things that the United States has done around the world, as you pointed out, Mark. And, and so one thing is I think we have to begin by saying nobody should be interfering in the elections and internal affairs of other countries. Uh, no government. And I think that that should be a lesson for people in the United States. In, in this particular circumstance. The second thing is that if Hillary Clinton had won and it had been discovered that, she, that someone close to her had met with the Chinese and to get information on Donald Trump, we all know there would be people marching on the White House with pitchforks and torches. Untrue. Right? We know that. And the <laughs> fact that they're not Right? The fact that these, these people that were ready to talk about corrupt Hillary are willing to sit back and accept this 
shows you the, the vacuousness of U.S. politics. The thing, can I jump in for a second? Yeah, and so can Rick, but go ahead. The yeah. thing is this. Hillary Clinton lost Michigan by about 10,000 votes. She lost Wisconsin by similar percentage margin and Pennsylvania by a similar percentage margin. If Hillary Clinton would have actually campaigned in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania and not at the last minute, she might actually be president right now. Russia had nothing to do with that. Oh, you hurt me when you say that. I think that there's some truth to that. There's also some truth that, that there was a lot of voter suppression in Wisconsin where tens of thousands of voters were not allowed to vote who, were legally, um, who could legally vote were not allowed to vote in Wisconsin. And I think that's part of the problem we're facing right now is voting rights in America, and that, and that, and that was a piece of it. And also remember the statistics that Trump won this last election with less votes yep. than Romney won by. Lost by. Yep. I mean, lost by. Excuse me, lost by. Thank you. I'm sorry. Lost by. And Hillary lost with 10 million fewer voters voting that voted for Obama in 2008. They didn't go across over to vote for Trump. Yep. They didn't vote. Yep. Right. So, the, so there's. And I didn't vote for either of them. Yeah, I, I wrote in Governor Hogan. Huh? I wrote in Governor Hogan. You wrote in. So, but I wrote in Governor Ehrlich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but thankfully, Ambrose is my vice president. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I think that the, that the that the issue here is that the people are disgruntled in this country, and most people did not vote. So the, I mean, I think the idea that but but this has to do with ethics in our government. Yeah more than anything else. And, and, and one of the reasons why the, the majority of jobs in the upper echelons of government have yet to be filled by Donald Trump because yeah. nobody wants to work for him. He can't find anybody to put in those positions. Well, well I, I, can, I, can, I can push back on that for a second. There are folk that are willing to go into the administration. The issue is that the administration has a loyalty test. And the fact is that the majority of people don't pass loyalty tests. If you, if you said anything... Against somebody that works for current, that works in in a circle of Donald Trump. Recently, anything on the record against forty five, you're blacklisted. So, folk that would probably be really good foreign policy folk, folk that are probably really good at the SEC or at the FBI or, or Treasury or a DOD, are being held out the administration. Some good undersecretaries, some good you know deputy ambassadors are being held out the administration because you know they've spoken out against the president and the list of the White House. On the way to the phones, did you have something quick to say, Rick, before we hit the phones? Uh, no, it's just that, uh, that I think that uh, people that I was very friendly with could not vote for Hillary because of her utter dishonesty and could not vote for Donald Trump because of his utter dishonesty. Four one zero three one nine eighty eight eighty eight. James, you're on the air. Welcome. Uh, good morning, Mark. How you doing, man? Very well. How you been? I'm good. Good. Look, uh, let's sum it up to Hillary Clinton lost for one reason, count your chickens before they hatch. So that can that can end that conversation. They thought they won, thought they had it in the bag. We can beat Donald Trump, and it didn't happen. Now, as far as uh, your panel, uh, your man Bill, I think his name is Bill, he's right on time about everything. He's just telling the truth that the way the country is because... Obama, when Obama went ran for president, when we had a mess in 2008, they was happy to put him in there to clean it up and take fault for it. Okay, four years went by. All right, we can get him up on out of here. That didn't happen. That's when the whole country just went, what the crap? And that's when the feud started. Now you put Hillary Clinton in there. Oh, no, we ain't going to have no woman come after him. So I'll be damned if we're going to have another eight years where a white man not going to be in there. That's what happened with that. And as far as health care, 
how come they can't just take the good of Obamacare and add on to it instead of trying to erase his name from history? You know, it's fixable. It's just like a startup. You have problems with startups. Just like when it's changed, bro. They fixed it. So why can't you take the good and add to it and work from there? Healthcare is not a problem. It's just that the Democrats and Republicans don't want to work together to, to make this country go on. They still in a, in a mode to where instead of we, it's me. All Until right. we get back to <laughs> we as a country, we're going to have these problems. I'm not That's sure we ever. Thank you, James. I'm not sure we ever really were a we, but go ahead, Rick Fats. Yeah, I, I would like to ask the uh, the caller. What he thinks about Barack Obama's somnolence, passivity, and foreign policy, which has left the world possibly on the brink of a major war. Bill Fletcher? I don't think there was passivity. Oh. Um, I think that there was an attempt. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't always agree with uh, Obama on foreign policy, um, as you can imagine. But uh, I think that part of what was going on was an attempt to readjust the relations the United States had with other countries particularly after the hubris of the Bush administration. Uh, right now, I mean, when, uh, when it was mentioned about North Korea, very briefly, I mean, let, let's be real about the circumstance. I mean, Trump can talk about that the North Koreans are very bad people and they're very naughty and that something naughty is going to happen to them. But let's, let's understand the military capability that North Korea has and has had and, and that what North Korea has been looking for is a peace treaty with the United States. The United States has, has refused to do that and treats negotiations with North Korea as if that is the worst possible outcome when we have Seoul within artillery range of the DMZ. I mean, you know, and so I think that what happened under Obama was an attempt to adjust to some extent, but not fundamentally, because then you still had coups like in Honduras that the United States supported. You had belligerence towards uh, Venezuela. But I do not think that this was someone that, you know, was hiding behind his tail. So, even the way, but just quickly, when you get the phone, do you want to say something real fast? Yeah, I, 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 I'll, I'll give it to Rich. Si okay. okay. Uh, since, uh, since Clinton, since W, uh, you know, since uh, Barack Obama, we have let North Korea develop into a a major nuclear threat and, and growing still as we talk. And in Syria, the, the, the threat, uh, the, threat the, the empty threats that Obama made, we, we've never had a president, to my knowledge, make a measurable empirical threat and then just forget about it when it was flouted. I'm telling you that, that we are in a major, major war possibility in, over the next 12 months, and it's because we have had presidents who simply felt that by kicking the can down the road, it would be better for them politically, even though it would be worse for the country. That's where politics uh, is considered more carefully than governing. And we, you would have had us, what, send troops to Syria and attack North Korea? I would have had us when, <laughs> I would have had us when, we, when we made a threat. That no, no, that's not what I asked you. No, let's, let's talk about North Korea. I mean, I think Mark is right. You, you have one of the strongest militaries. You didn't have one of the strongest militaries eight years ago. It was did. strong then. Yeah, it was. This is one of the issues that different administrations, including George Bush, um, have been trying to grapple with. It has been a strong military for a long time. You're dealing with a very paranoid government there that's paranoid in part <laughs> because the U.S. 
deployed nuclear weapons on the Korean Peninsula back in the 60s and has been very suspicious and has wanted a peace treaty. So let's deal with what should the United States have done? Should it have incinerated North Korea? I mean, the reality no, is that if the North Koreans were to even try something against any U.S. ally, everybody knows they'd be incinerated. The thing, the, 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 the thing is this. Um, the thing is this. Somebody's in this one or two major world powers is giving North Korea their coal to power their plants, giving them the food to feed their people, and giving them their guns, missiles, and ballistics to feed their military. China and Russia got to step up to the plate majorly. You know, cut off the coal, cut off the food, cut off the food, and cut off and, and cut off the the, the, the munitions. I mean that that's 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 the heel. That's the angle right there. That's the Achilles heel right there. And if not, then what? If not, if not, then then you have to look at some degree. I I, I agree with Bill Richardson and, and folk that are more smart on me than this and have actually engaged in this. If if that fails, then you have to engage them on some level diplomatically. Um, you know, but I don't think that you know we want to cause a a uh, you know a, a major you know you know. A major catastrophe, major war um, on the Korean Peninsula. Let me open the phones here. 410-319-8888. Come back to our guests. Clarence, you're on the air. Welcome. Hey, thank you, Mr. Steiner. Good morning, Clarence. Um, good morning and to all your guests. Um, first, mm. one, um, China should do all of these things for what purpose, for what ends, for to... Um, um, in, 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 in the interest of the people of North Korea, why should China do these things? America has had since the Korean War to put some kind of um, resolution to the problems between North and South, Carolina, South, South Korea. They have not done that. Someone said we let um, North Korea become a major nuclear threat. No. Did we let them do this or did we push them into a defensive position or, or, or posture? That's my question. Thank you. But I, I think, you know, I think maybe we lose in all this is that we have this kind of real world politics that we have to face. Yeah. And we also have to face the fact that we cannot liberate the entire world. And I'm not sure we really want to anyway. <laughs> that's what's, we uh, can't. We cannot be the world's policemen. And, and, we, and, and, and that some regimes are there. And you cannot, I mean, if you think about North Korea for a moment, and I think that anybody who understands Korea, Anybody who has studied, the people I've interviewed over the years who are really experts on the Korean societies, both North and South and what Korea has meant historically, what it means now, if something should happen, if, if we were to stumble into an, a war or skirmish with North Korea, we would not feel the brunt of that. The South Koreans would feel the brunt of that. Oh, the, they would annihilate Seoul and the 14 million people who make up that city. I mean, this, this is not just, you know, and there's nothing you can do, the United States could ever do, to force China nor Russia to change the policy they don't want to change when it comes to who they're going to support. Nor could we, they do that to the United States saying, if you continue giving money to Saudi Arabia and deal with, deal with Saudi Arabia and give them their military, we're going to cut you off. That's not going to happen either. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it's, it's, this is, I think, you've got to have, I mean, if you, if diplomacy can work, has to work at some level. That's the only thing that can work unless we want to blow ourselves up. When these scenarios, you uh, are they inferior or superior to the scenario of North Korea being able to 
hit the United States with nuclear weapons and being able to, uh, in other words, also the United States proper. I, I'm telling you that this is, this is the situation that John F. Kennedy warned about. He said, what happens when we have multiple states with nuclear weapons, and now we have a state with uh, nu- nuclear weapons that is really unlike any other state with nuclear weapons? And so, and so let me say, I'm going to go to the phones here, but let me ask this question. We'll go around, quickly around the room about this, but let me ask this question yeah. directly since you raised it. Which was the nation on the planet that unleashed <laughs> nuclear weapons on the world? What was that country? Was it, maybe you think, I think it was the United States of America. What do you mean unleashed? What do you mean unleashed unleashed? nuclear weapons? You you mean if we hadn't used nuclear weapons in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, that no other country would have nuclear weapons now? I would think there's a strong argument to make that we we may may not be in the nuclear arms race we are in today. Oh, my goodness. Why would you think that? As a matter of fact, people who, who wouldn't know exactly what nuclear weapons could do they might be even more motivated. There's no way that the countries would not uh, develop nuclear weapons if we hadn't used them <laughs> in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. You know, you may be right, but the point is that the only country that's used them is the United States. So and, and, and justifiably and the, correcting the using States, them. Justifiably correcting one, one using second, them. One second, one person time. The United States continues to insist that only the countries that it approves can have nuclear weapons. So and we have be. the most dangerous situation, I would argue is between India and Pakistan right now, and has been, with both countries possessing nuclear weapons within minutes of being able to annihilate their respective capital. Everyone knows, as Colin Powell said years ago, that if North Korea acts up, it's going to be incinerated. Everybody knows that. The North Koreans know that. And so this whole idea that there's this dramatic threat to the, the United States and the people of the world by North Korea is hogwash. If you want to talk about nuclear threats, then let's look at India and Pakistan. And let's figure out what we're going to do that stops one of the Yahoo regimes in both of those countries from one day just deciding, we're sick of it, let's hit the button. And on that note, let me hit the phone. Let's really quickly. Want to say something quickly? I want to get. Oh, I'm good. You go to okay. the phone. Okay. I couldn't disagree with. <laughs> I couldn't disagree with them more. I I think that I think that that argument that North Korea is exactly like Pakistan and India is a fallacious presumption. Four one zero. I know that you disagree. I, I know, I know that you know that I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't have any facts. I mean, the re- when, what, when fa- look, what, what facts can you have about threat. the intentions? What facts can you have about the intentions and nature of a of a ruling uh, body? I mean, what, what do you mean? What do you have any facts? You don't have any facts. The you know, the, 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 the the threat on between India and Pakistan is greater than the threat. And the military knows this. The U.S. military is scared to Tell death. me how a fact can prove that. Tell me how a fact because can prove... Al- because almost every defense study you've seen come from the Department of Defense and any exactly. think tank says the same thing, that That's the greatest right. danger for a nuclear war at the moment is between India and Pakistan. Of course, that doesn't mean that North Korea is not a more of an incipient threat. Said. Somebody said. He just said the, the greatest danger right now, though, greatest is... Greatest danger. But, but he used that... Forgive me. Because Forgive North me for Korea quoting you. Not, because North, <laughs> Korea, North Korea does not represent a threat to the United States because everyone knows that the moment that they try something, they will be incinerated. That doesn't the issue mean, is that Buzzcut Kim does not know that. Yes, he, he does not understand that. He's the crazy guy. He's the crazy guy in the ledge. He's a crazy guy in the ledge. You have to figure out how to figure out how to engage and potentially walk back off the ledge. He's That's a, where we're at. He's with no him more dangerous right now. than the man with the yellow comb over. 
<laughs> good one. I like it for good one. <laughs> Ernest, you're on the air. And we only have a couple minutes. Let me ask you that. I know you like the role, so to get to the point, it'd be great. Thank you. Okay. Well, if we had a ground war to go into North Korea, we could uh, probably lose about 50,000 to 100,000 troops, American troops. There's 22 Americans a day dying because of that fake Gulf War, weapons of mass destruction. 22 Americans, uh, soldiers that fought in that war, are committing suicide every day. So now you want to get involved in another war, not knowing what China is going to do. And remember, the United States divided uh, North Korea from South Korea and gave half of it to Russia because of their involvement with Japan and Manchuria. So all this is because of the United States were meddling in other people's business. And you don't know what China is going to do. We fought uh, North Korea one time before China got involved. You don't know if they're going to get involved again. They don't want no bombs being dropped, atomic bombs being dropped in North Korea because then you will destabilize that area just like you have destabilized the uh, so-called Middle East. And people be running from everywhere, going everywhere. So I I don't think nobody (laughs) wants to destabilize uh, that area like that. And those people are prepared to fight. <laughs> Ernest, we appreciate the calls always. I, I, we, I, always. Don't forget, first, my, don't forget my minute to say uh-huh. something. I'll let you have your minute first, at the end first, of the show. First, first and foremost, China's not about that life. They don't want to go to war with us. They know they will lose. Wars aren't fought on the ground like I they were. What does winning and losing mean in terms of modern well, warfare? Well, winning and losing in terms, in, in terms of modern warfare, it, it becomes essentially a, a, a hot, cold war. You know, it's essentially who outlasts us. But I mean, but but for us, it, that, but, we, I was going to say that wars aren't fought on the ground the way they used to be. Wars are fought typically you can send your air force in, and then we'll send the ground force in afterwards. We'll bomb and deplete you, and then send the ground forces in to take care of whatever's left over. And like there's no and, and there's and there's no and there's no <laughs> army and there's no military on the face of the earth that can match us pound for pound. And that makes you sleep well at night? It does. Oh, good. That makes someone sleep well at night. It doesn't make me sleep well at night <laughs> <laughs> at all. So we, 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 didn't, we didn't get into a lot of subjects we want to get into. We have a, a couple of weeks to do that, though. And I think that it's really important to look at the stuff we're not covering and we did not talk about today. And I allowed myself to do what I critique sometimes, which is that we focus so much on Donald Trump, we don't focus on what's happening under us. Because uh, we're paying so much attention to his shenanigans. We're not paying attention to what happens to the military budget. We're not paying attention to what happens to the, with the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency. We're not having, paying attention to many things that are going on uh, in this country, to this budget that was just passed, yeah. this military budget that is, uh, I think, 50 or $60 billion more than even Trump wanted the moment was passed <laughs> in the House. So I think that there are a lot of things here that we have uh, room to talk about over the next couple of weeks because I think those are the issues we really have to wrestle with who are concerned about the future of our country. That means you can't retire, right? Huh? That means you can't retire. I was not. Who's, who's retiring? <laughs> <laughs> that's, not, that's not in my vocabulary. It's not there. Bill Fletcher, last comment from you? I think this was a great conversation, Mark. I really do. I mean, I think we obviously have a lot of disagreements. We have some agreements. We covered the uh, discussion of health care, the discussion about North Korea. I mean, these are discussions that are not happening in the level of depth. And so I just, I frankly think you did a great job. And You're here. I, I, and I appreciate, uh, you know, the other guests. 
I appreciate that. And you had a closing thought, Rick? Yeah, I, I just want to say this, if I may. Although I think he is almost always wrong in positions he takes, <laughs> uh, Mark Steiner, uh, whom I've been associated with for 25 years, is one of the finest people I've known in my life. And he also is one of the finest talk show hosts I've, I've known in my life. His fairness, his work ethic, uh, his integrity, uh, his decency, uh, I, it, it just kills me that, uh, that you will not be hosting a, a talk show, at least immediately. And I think, as I say, I think you're one of the finest people I've ever known. I appreciate that, Rick Vassman. Uh, a lot. We share a sense of ethics. I do appreciate that very deeply. Adam, I think these three guests, we look forward to this. Appreciate it. Gene, it's so good to see you in studio, man. Yeah, man. Listen, listen. Mark put me on as a kid, man. I'm the <laughs> first... First, second radio show I ever did was here with Mark. You know, I'm a cat. You know, got the call and got me in. And so, thanks, Mark. You know, wherever you at next, I'm, I'm right there with you. Gene Craig the Third, always good to see you, my friend. Appreciate good it. To have you and Rick Vats, always good to have you in the studio. Thank you, brother. Great to be here. Thank you. And Bill Fletcher, always great to have you on. Look forward to having you on at least next Monday at the very uh, at, at the latest. All right, I appreciate it. All right, take care. Thank you all. And we're going to take a very, very brief break. When we come back, we are going to uh, hear a conversation with some ministers in town who are working with the University of Baltimore, do some really amazing things about the money that black churches have and how to reinvest in communities and really build something significant. Stay with us. We'll jump into that when we come back.